Are you underutilizing one of the most powerful restaurant marketing tools on the planet? What do 92 million monthly Yelp searchers see when they land on your page? Is your content accurate and attention grabbing? Are you using every conversion tool possible to set yourself apart? Yelp is here to help. Go to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash profile to sign up for a one-on-one with a specialist that will review your Yelp page and share tips to help you stand out. Again, go to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash profile to supercharge your Yelp page today. Now here we go. Now to go forward, it's going to be about management on a day-to-day basis, doing the right things, doing things the right way, and really investing in our training because we've been lucky enough to have great talent on our team who kind of know what to do. But now we've got to really train people in a new way on how to get to the old way. Welcome to Full Comp, a show offering insight into the hospitality industry, featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders, and innovators. Served up on the house. We've spent the last 15 months together questioning every assumption about this industry. What I've learned from more than 100 interviews is that a 6% net profit doesn't need to be the standard. I've collected the best practices from the best operators in the world and created a guide detailing the five steps they've all taken to achieve a 15% net profit in their restaurants. You can download that guide for free by visiting restaurantprofitguide.com. Again, that's restaurantprofitguide.com. So many restaurant owners have desperately fought for survival over the last 15 months. Why? Is it for the money or the glory? Because both have been in short supply. We do this to serve a higher calling, and the best of us light the path forward. Today we chat with Chef Steve Sampson and Hans Lutman, partners and operators of Rossa Blue in downtown Los Angeles. Together they share what it took to create a hit, the effort they went into enduring the pandemic, and how those experiences have impacted their path forward. Hans and I have been friendly for many, many years just through the restaurant business. And when we were looking for somebody to help us with Rosso Blue, he was the perfect candidate. We knew it. We felt it. But we finally got him to uh, agree to join us. And that was our perspective, at least. And maybe, Hans, you could shed some light on that. No, it was fantastic. I mean, Dina and I had been talking for about a year prior. I was on a job search about a year prior. Steve and Dina were running a very successful restaurant, Soto. We were looking for an opportunity for me to possibly help them there. Nothing really materialized until the right thing materialized, and that was for me to join the team at Rosso Blue. And what was amazing is we complement our skill sets just complemented one another so well. And we got off to a great swimming start, and we've continued to complement one another and grow together. And at the the center of it all has been evolved had the ability to be honest with one another in the tough times and the good times and we've been able to grow together and succeed together and face challenges together. It's been an awesome ride. Let's unpack that a bit more though, because I'm curious. I think it's so important in effective partnerships that everyone not only respects each other in theory, but in practical application. That everyone stays in their same lane, they defer. To, to the other person, if it falls within their core competency. 
But in the early days of the partnership, how did you guys go about establishing that? As we started, we had a really, we had a big group that was handling, we had a lot of niche employees. Nowadays, we've graduated to a lot of hybrid talent management strategies. But back then, we, everybody had a niche. And my niche was simply something that Steve and Dina had identified as being a real core aspect of their successful business at Soto was just managing hospitality and to really watching after service. So when I joined the team, that was my 100% focus. At the time, there were job titles that were being discussed about, do you want to be the general manager? And I said to Dean, I said, I can't manage much. I'm not a manager. I'm, I'm a director. I can direct people towards hospitality. That's what I do. And so I directed people in that direction. They came on board for the ride. Steve had his culinary point of view. And then we're really, really blessed to have Dino, who has such a business savvy, financial acumen, has a real visionary outlook on the business. She's noticing trends. She's concentrating on big relationships. And honestly, it's just been a blessing the way our talents have coalesced. I'm curious to know why downtown LA. I was your neighbor, so I have my own reasons for choosing downtown LA. Neither of which, by the way, were the walk-by traffic and the cheap rents. I'm curious to know why you guys chose downtown LA, because when you choose to move into an emerging community, it's an investment that you're making in the future of that community. Why there? Well, when we were looking to open Rosso Blue, it wasn't like sometimes in the restaurant business, when you're trying to open a restaurant, you kind of find the space first and then kind of feel how the space speaks to you and what direction you should take in terms of the in terms of the style of the restaurant. But we approached this one a little bit differently because we had already decided that we wanted a restaurant with a lot of outdoor space because, well, at least pre-pandemic, it was strange to me that nobody ate outside in L.A., so we wanted to give people the opportunity to have some outdoor space. So there was a big indoor-outdoor space component. And there was also the fact that I had decided with Dina that the food we wanted to do was really strip down basic, the food that I grew up eating in L.A. and in Bologna, where my mom's from. So I really just wanted to go back to cooking that kind of food. And so the space really had to have that kind of almost like a blank palette to it. So when we went into City Market South, before it was really started to be developed at all, just I felt it. I don't know. It was, And I'm not going to lie, rent was an important factor as well. A lot of the neighborhoods in L.A. had priced us out of it. It wasn't we were doing this just by ourselves. We didn't have any angel investor or anything like that. So we were really struggling to do it on a budget. And we just felt it was the perfect opportunity in the perfect place. And we felt that hopefully the neighborhood would grow around us. And I think it has. You guys seem to be busy from day one. Was that actually the case? We've actually, I think now that we're only open five nights a week now, before we were open seven days, plus we were open brunch. And I don't think we were ever as consistently busy as we are now. We're pretty much busy every night. And it was really an eye-opening experience to kind of battle the pandemic. And I think one of the main reasons we have been so resilient is because we were able to pivot so many times and had people like Hans and Dina who really drove that pivot. And I would say like, let's just throw a bunch of stuff on the wall and see what sticks. So we were always prepared to try new things. So I think just since the pandemic, 
thankfully we did have that beautiful outdoor space that we were able to put a beautiful tent that Hans procured for us and really worked hard on getting the tent up. And now it's, we have the beautiful space there. And, and Hans probably can speak more to how important our own team safety and our guest safety was throughout this whole thing. And I think that also comes through to the guests that we're very, very safety minded. And we have been since day one. Before we get there, I'm super curious, Hans, what were the choices that you feel like in the early days of the restaurant led to the success and led to you guys being in a stable position prior to the pandemic? We had to embrace, you know, it's, it's commonplace and everybody talks about it, but the commonplace can sometimes be extraordinary. And what we found to be extraordinary was having our core values and really sitting down and hammering those out. And as I mentioned to you, Gino Whitman, I really literally took a page from that guy's book. He's from Detroit. I had heard about him and we used Traction, his book, to really help to figure out how we were going to define our core values. And we sat in a room, Steve and Dina and another one of our investor partners, Kevin, and we just hammered out the values that we found in our team and that existed within ourselves. We didn't go pie in the sky and try and invent things that we wanted to be. We looked around and said, what are we that is working? And we came up with these core values, which were commitment to excellence, work ethic, compassion, passion for Rosso Blue, integrity, and can do, a can do spirit. Like, yeah, we're going to do it. And then what that helped us do, Josh, was to define our team. And we found that some people didn't fit within those core values. And a lot of them took themselves out. And we hired around those core values. We fired around those core values. And, and that really set us up for success. And I think Steve and I have great instincts. I think intuitively we know how to run a great restaurant. But to create sustainability, you have to start having those values. You have to start managing and not just leading. So that helped us out. I would assume that it's much harder to hire and manage with core values during a labor shortage. Is that the case? Or do you guys just stick to your guns? Well, 100%, we've got to stick to our guns. We've had to make some tough choices. We had some core team members in the beginning. If you would have told me today that we didn't have certain people on our team that we started with in February and March, I would have told you, I don't know how we're going to do it. But by making some tough choices, by sticking to our guns, We've come out better and it's a miracle. I mean, it is literally like to have that courage is a miracle. And I'll say this for Steve. He's got a ton of integrity. He's as honest as the day is long. And that helps us to have like one of our key leaders be that guy. When you guys lead, I'm taking a page out of traction myself. Managing is controlling human behavior, but leading is saying, this is where we're headed. And I'm curious to know for you guys, what was that idea that everyone rallied around? What was that core central theme? This is what we're working towards. This is the future that we envision. Well, we had a core mission and that we built a healthy company with healthy employees who have a healthy impact on our community. And that has been the mantra. Healthy company. What does that mean? Being profitable, being cost conscious, having a sound business model, delighting our guests. That's a healthy company. We've got healthy employees. We take care of them. We care about them. We engage, empower. We listen. We hear. We see. Steve and I are in there every day mentoring. Steve will pull me aside and say, hey, that guy has been quiet the last couple of days. You want to sit down and talk to him? And so we're focused on our employees. And then the thing that came in 
in our second year, Josh, that really kind of solidified the deal was then all of a sudden we saw like, wow, we're making an impact with this, not by just taking care of ourselves and taking care of the restaurant, but now we're able to take care of community. And then we got involved with Alma Backyard Farms and we started working with them. We started working with some groups that support mental wellness for chefs. And Steve took some trips with those guys, still working with a lot of those core members, mental health being an important issue for all of us in this industry. So when we saw that we could make an impact, that was cool. But that's what we've been rallying around. Well, you guys have been doing cool stuff from the beginning. The first time I went to the restaurant was that LA Times event for Mary Sue and Susan Vinegar. I'm sure you guys have restaurants that you look to and go, man, I want to be cool like them. But for me and for the team at Peru Proper, we used to look at you and say, man, we want to do those cool things. We want to be invited to those parties. We want to host those events. Is there a recipe for cool? And I know <laughs> I know, in light of a global pandemic, it seems like a ridiculous question, but it's relevant because everybody wants to be trendy. Everybody wants to be in the scene. You guys were on every listicle there was and still are for that matter. And so I'm wondering, how do you breach that gap? I think it's just always been, we just always, like Hans is saying, we have integrity, not only who works with us in the kitchen, in the front of the house as team members, but also other people that we work with. We chose our architects and design team based on the core values as well. They've become close friends of ours. They got what we wanted to do. They believed in us, believed in the space, and created something really beautiful for us. I mean, we don't go out and hire big firms from New York. We work with people we know, whether it's our PR team, whether it's just across the board. We work with smaller farms. And if that's cool, that's a good thing, I guess. So it's all been very organic, for sure. There wasn't the intention to make a cool, like, hip L.A. restaurant. That was never our intention. Today, I want to talk to you about the greatest sales tool in your arsenal, your menu. And I'm not talking about the physical menu in your restaurant. I'm talking about the menu on your website. That's the menu that will determine whether or not a page view turns into a patron. So how do we put our best foot forward? I trust Pop Menu. Pop Menu can provide your restaurant with an interactive menu that hooks your customers from the start. And it's mobile friendly. It's functional, beautiful, and presents your offering in an irresistible way. Your restaurant's website is your window to the world. Let's dress it up with Pop Menu. For a limited time only, get $100 off your first month. Plus, you lock in one unchanging monthly rate. Go to popmenu.com forward slash full comp. That's $100 off your first month at popmenu.com slash full comp. We've all faced obstacles prior to the pandemic, and I would assume that a great preparation for the pandemic was the fire that you guys had at the restaurant, because there's nothing like preparing you for losing everything, like losing everything. Can you talk to me about what happened and your reaction to it and what it was like to come back from that? Yeah, I'll speak to what happened that night. We were actually very busy. We had a big party out on the patio. So pre-pandemic, we couldn't force people to sit out there unless it was for a big group, for a big group party. So that night we actually had the whole patio filled, the whole restaurant was filled. And a couple of the people outside were friends of mine and they came in and said, wow, everything's so great, but you know, there's smoke coming out of the building. So I actually went outside and the second I saw it, I realized there was a fire in the 
hood system because it was spewing fire out onto the roof. Thankfully, the partner who helped develop City Market South, Kevin Napoli, that Hans mentioned previously, was sitting at the bar that night. So I ran immediately to him and he's a builder. So he was able to kind of take over at that point, got up to the roof, was able to see that the fire was contained, but starting to go onto the roof. We turned off our hood system immediately so that the air system would stop feeding the fire. But what that did was it filled the entire dining room with smoke. So at that moment, all the systems went off. We evacuated everyone immediately and just waited for the fire department to come. And they did. They put the fire out. And then at one o'clock in the morning, we were finally ready to leave. The fire started again. So we had to call the fire department again. But I think even at that point, we've always looked to stay positive. I think we felt very blessed that nobody was injured that the damage was minimized. And we really didn't think it would take three months to reopen, which is what it took. Those three months were tough. Hans really led the ship during that. He worked really hard during those three months to make sure we didn't lose any momentum. So, How do you do that, Hans? How do you convince people, especially when you don't know the exact date that you're going to reopen? How do you say, you know, hang on, it's going to be great? You know, a lot of it, and and it relates to the pandemic as well, is just showing up. You just got to show up. You just keep showing up. We just kept showing up at the restaurant. Even when the pandemic hit, we closed and we were there the next day. I can still remember walking in and looking at all the surface areas on the tables. And at the time, we were spooked and we didn't know like you could touch things and stuff. And there was a lot of reasons to say, oh, I don't want to go. But we went. We just kept going, masks, gloves, the whole thing, spraying things down. It was the same thing. Maybe the training came from that. It's just like, we're just going to keep on showing up. We're going to keep on focusing on healthy relationships and that we're also going to have a redemptive story to wrap ourselves around. Like, how do we come back from this? And what is the story that we're telling? And that's what got us out of bed in the morning. What's it going to look like when we come back? And right prior to that, we had been planning Rosa Blue 2.0. We kept saying that to ourselves, and we just didn't know that it was going to come in the form it came, but we came back ready to go in 2019. And a lot of this, uh, Dina's not here with us, but she's a huge part of this. When we were talking about being cool, like she gives us our cool factor because she's always noticing the trends, and she's always working with our PR and marketing and making us look way cooler than we are. Steve and I, we were cool, like, you know, in 95. (laughs) we're still kind of cool but what we're good at doing steve and i is just like really listening and we're really good at doing what we do and focus on very authentic about what happens in the restaurant but anything outside of that is really dina helping us and stewarding us through that well in digging directly into the pandemic lord knows that everybody myself included has produced a lot of content on pandemic pivots what i think is most interesting in this moment the pandemic evolutions. I do want to talk about Russell Blue 2.0, and I want to talk about the lessons that you learned from the pandemic that you've decided to run with. What did you learn about yourselves? What did you learn about your business? And how are you pushing that forward? And I love that you bring that up because there's this whole idea of the resetting, like we're going to reset the industry. And what I've been feeling this week is The story hasn't been one. It's not like a vertical climb into some new place. We've had this explosive story. It's branched into a thousand different directions. But right now, this week, today, in real time, 
it feels like a spiral. It feels like a circular story. And what it really feels like, Josh, on a day-to-day basis going forward is we're just coming back to the old ways of doing business. We want to be excited about, oh, we've innovated this and we've innovated that. We have innovated some products. But when it comes right down to it, restaurants have a certain structure, a certain tempo, a certain rhythm. Guests want a certain thing, a certain way. In the beginning, there was that excitement where guests were very like, oh, yeah, whatever. I'm just glad to be here. That no longer exists. They're paying a premium to sit in our restaurant. They want things done in a restaurant way. And we have to get back to doing that and accomplishing that and exceeding expectations. And that's going to come through great management and great training. We've been able to lead from the seat of our pants to get here. Now to go forward, it's going to be about management on a day-to-day basis, doing the right things, doing things the right way, and really investing in our training because we've been lucky enough to have great talent on our team who kind of know what to do. But now we've got to really train people in a new way on how to get to the old way. (laughs) I don't know how else to explain it. I'd be very curious. So I'm sure there are a lot of people listening that go, these guys have a director of service. If that was my restaurant, she better be bartending two days a week and washing dishes three days a week. Like, how do you possibly afford roles like that? And I think a lot of that comes down to your priorities, right? And how you choose to allocate your resources. You've both mentioned your leadership team multiple times. Is that where you have decided to focus your investment when it comes to payroll? Well, it's a layer of it. And as we've gotten busier, we've needed that layer. When we were shut down, I was answering every phone call. I was there every day answering every phone call and really learning a lot and being delighted from and being also the guy who was bringing the food out to the car. And one of those really big moments was we had started doing a pasta to go program early on in the pandemic. We would make pasta, we'd serve it cold, we'd bring it out to the person at the curb. And one day I brought one out and there was a woman in her scrubs and she had just come from the hospital. And I could tell she had had a long day. And in her mind, she had ordered tortelloni and I think she was expecting it to be hot. She wanted to just pull over and eat it in the car. And what I gave her were cold noodles and cold sauce and basically directions to how to make this at home. I'm sure she could have made it in a couple minutes, but that was such a huge moment for me and a revelation of like, wow. The guests need something else. And what we did is we pivoted and we came up with like a hot food item, a bento box that really was a key to our success for quite some time. And it was something Steve invented and the packaging that Dina came up with. It was incredible. And that got us over the hump with that kind of stuff. But yeah, our leadership team is fantastic. It's by no means a luxury to have a director of service. It's necessary. And May take sections every night. She's with us. She's waiting on tables. It's not my preference, but it's where we're at right now. I mean, there are nights when I have a section, she has a section, (laughs) and Vince is at the door, and Steve's on the line. I want to talk about fatigue because it's a very real thing in the industry. It's something that I haven't broached yet, but I was just talking to a friend of mine that actually owned and operated a restaurant in downtown Los Angeles and didn't close during the pandemic. She closed after the pandemic and she did so because simply the process and the effort required to survive took everything she had and there was nothing left. And so I ask you, how do you sustain? How do you overcome the fatigue? 
you guys are doing amazing work, but you're not superheroes. You're flesh and bone. So how do you make it work? I say we rely on each other quite a bit and we rely on our team and show faith in our team to take a lot of the pressure off of the pandemic for me was I saw it as an opportunity outside of work to spend more time with my kids, just trying to figure out ways to have family time. So now that we're open again, that's remained to be my most important goal is to really spend time with my kids, watch them grow, be a part of their lives. So I have to rely a lot on Edie, my sous chef, Gearson, who's our kitchen manager. We just have an amazing team right now that I have complete faith in. And, and I know that Hans and Dina are going to take care of their ends of it. And so it, it alleviates a lot of that stress. Yeah, for me, it's been a lot of self-care. And people talk about meditation. I, I mean, I've been meditating consistently for almost 11 years, but I've got to do it. I've got to double up on it. I do it in the morning. I do it at night. A minimum 25, 30 minutes. I just need to get my brainwaves into someplace else and not buy into the toxicity. I stay away from the news. When we got an opportunity to open in July, it coincided with all the protests happening downtown. And there were so many cultural grievances and a lot of political theater taking place. And I just needed to focus on the task at hand. And it wasn't that I was abdicating any responsibility around culture. In fact, I had a few employees come up to me and say, well, well, you've got to stand for something. What do you stand for? How come you're not out there on Instagram posting things? And I said, because my responsibility is to keep this business going so you can earn a paycheck and I can earn a paycheck and we can keep going and we can be a responsible functioning mini society here at the restaurant. And I took a page from Peter Drucker, the great educator and management leader. And he grew up in Vienna, in Austria, during the First World War. He saw what happened when boots come stomping into your city and take over, when Mein Kampf becomes the book of the day. And he felt like what a business person can do is run a great business, because that's the way you fight back. And that's what I did. That's what I committed to. That's what we committed to. And we said, we're just going to run our business and do the best we can. And we're going to put food on people's plates. So that's where I put my energy. And that redemptive story gave me meaning. And that meaning can overcome the stress and the anxiety and the fear. Do you guys have the capacity to look into the future at this point? Or are you still only focused on today? Such a great question. My mantra has been December, December, December. And I've been saying to the team, it's not going to get easier. It's going to get harder as we get into the fall. We're getting our legs under us. We have a lot of structure. We're trying to streamline. We're devoting ourselves to a lot of tech, a lot of automation. But December is like in the old story of restaurants. That's where a lot of action is going to happen. We're going to have a big events. We got the Super Bowl coming up. And we just need to be prepared for what's coming. And so uh, fortunately, with this strong leadership team that we have, they can focus on the day-to-day. And Steve and I and Dina can look down the field, maybe four or five months, and say, here's what we need to do and where we need to be. I want to talk about growth next, because it's tangential to talking about the future. And it's I was always very focused on growth. When we had a successful dinner service at Brew in the early stages, I opened for lunch and then I closed for lunch. And then a couple of years later, I opened for lunch again. 
and then I closed for lunch and so on and so forth, because I was always trying to grow. I was always trying to monetize and improve and not just change, but evolve with purpose. And Lord knows I made many mistakes along the way. But we look at this industry now, and I think your restaurant is a great example. You can do a lot more with less. And so when you look at growth, do you think about opening seven days a week or do you say, hey, this is a great model? Do you look at opening for new services or do you say, you know what, we're doing really well with what we have and this is a profitable model. So maybe we'll replicate this. I think for the time being, we really love what we're doing right now in terms of dinner service. I think it allows us to have one team, which is hugely important. Consistency is always the hardest thing in a restaurant like ours. So having one team allows us to be remarkably consistent. I personally would prefer to look at other ways to drive revenue than adding another service, whether it be we've discussed using our kitchen as a ghost kitchen for lunches, maybe trying out different brands that might work out of the kitchen when we're not using it. That makes a lot of sense since we're paying rent anyway, regardless of how many services we do. But I think increasing our number of services is not only going to make, we're going to have to hire new people. And we are busy every night, but I don't know if we'll be busy enough on a Monday or a Tuesday to justify opening that service just to drive a little extra revenue if it's not increasing our profitability. It's an industry podcast. And at the end of every episode, I'd like to give the guests an opportunity to speak directly to the audience. Do you have any advice or words of encouragement you'd like to offer? I would just say, Josh, there's a lot of, of talk about people switching industries now, wanting to get out of this industry. And, and the truth is this industry needs you. If you have experience and you're good at this, please come back and help us out. Please come back, get back onto the front lines. We need people with experience. We need people with sensitivity. We need people who know how to take care of other people. There's been a lot of change in consumer behavior during the pandemic online food shopping, online Amazon shopping for everything. But there is nothing like what's happening in the restaurant right now. It's so exciting to see people, families getting together and dining together, see old friends getting together, to see date night happening. That is not going away. That is going to be here forever. And that's why restaurants are here forever. I'm so relieved to say that because people need us because it's an experience you can't find anywhere else. But the people who can be on the front lines and be advocates for that and to help with that, we need you back. Come back, come back home and help your restaurants and be proud of that service. Vet Chef Steve Sampson and Hans Lutman. For more on Rossablue, visit rossablula.com. If you want to tell us your story, hear previous episodes, or check out our other content, go to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash full comp. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Kopel. You've been listening to Full Comp.